Uh, hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. I know uh, maybe maybe uh, threatening weather or, or slick roads caused some of us to be at home and watching on, on TV, so hopefully we're getting the stream through this morning. Um, uh, it is good. I, hey, I, I need to begin by apologizing to you all. I messed up last week. Uh, if you were with us the first Sunday, I, and it, which was January 1st, it was New Year's Day, I preached that, that Sunday, and I began my message by saying, by my making a, a declaration and a promise to pursue a, a part of my sermon that I, was, I, I wanted to do every Sunday, and that was to pray. Do, those of you who are here remember that, and, and I failed last Sunday. I failed last Sunday. Here, here's the reason why I think that's so important. I pray a lot before I preach. That's part of my preparation is, man, beginning Monday, God, show me in the word, you know, help me understand uh, so I could be able to present it. And then I, I know that some of you pray for me on a continued basis. I thank you for that. But, but before we, uh, or as we have the opportunity to open the scriptures, what a great beginning, right? Hey, prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts we, we want the Holy Spirit to be active in this time when we're opening the Word. Anytime you open the Word and reading it, God, may your Holy Spirit be speaking to our hearts, right? So, this is important. Therefore, I want you all to hold me to it. No one said anything. Uh, but you might not have been here January 1st, so, so no problem. Hold me to that, would you please? I, I believe it's something that I can't neglect anymore. So, this Sunday, let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for this opportunity to open your scriptures. Lord, to, to be able to read it and understand its words. And even more so, to be able to apply it. Lord, if we need encouragement, Lord, uh, we're ready. If we need correction, Lord, help us to be ready. Help us to be uh, with a willing heart and, and with that sense of repentance within us to make those changes, Lord, necessary to be your people. God, we praise you for everything that you've given to us, everything that you've bestowed upon us, the word that we have, and that gospel message. God, we give you praise this morning. Lead us through the passage as we go through this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. If you haven't been with us, we've been going through 2 Peter, uh, and I want to review just a little bit. We've, we've finished, completed chapter 1. And in chapter 1, uh, I entitled it about the confidence we have. It, it Just talking about confidence uh, that we have in what God has given to us, what he has uh, brought for us. And it is that gospel message. Uh, in, in verse 3, you know, God has given us everything we need for, for godliness, for a godly life. And it's been through our knowledge of Christ and, and through his promises, he has is, is made it possible for us to be partners with him in that divine nature. I, I, that divine nature is, is, is Jesus himself. So we're able to be buried with him through his crucifixion and then raised with him into a new life. That, that's what God has made available to us. I believe in that new life or through Christ, we then have that opportunity to have the very Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us. Wow, right? God has provided us everything we need. And, and then the, the next part of that was 
Peter coming in and say, hey, make every effort. Make every, make every effort to, to add and build upon that what, what God has given us. You know, he begins by saying, hey, add to your faith goodness and to your goodness uh, knowledge and to your knowledge self-control and self-control perseverance. And it goes on and on. So, so it challenges us to grow in what we've been given, right? That's where we were in chapter 1. Last week, last week we talked about the scriptures, or actually we talked about the, the eyewitness testimony of the apostles, how significant it is we have these words written down. The words that, that Peter had just described, you know, the, the gospel message, and, and Peter has that opportunity to share it with us. And, and he, he emphasized how important that was, that even, even after he was going to pass, he wanted to make sure that, that they still had it. So it's written down for us. The whole New Testament is written down from eyewitness accounts from those apostles. And, and then Peter says that is built upon the, the prophets and their prophecies of Jesus and his coming. So the very foundation we stand upon in the scriptures we have is based upon the prophets and their, their word that came from God describing the Messiah to come. When the Messiah comes, those apostles then through eyewitnesses, through they, they were eyewitnesses and also heard his word, share it with us. That's the scriptures we have. So the confidence we have is, is we can have confidence in what we're reading today. What we, we could put our, uh, our trust in what God has given us so that we can have an understanding of what God wants. Are you listening this morning? Are you, is your attention to him and, and what he says? Because we're coming to chapter 2. So chapter 1 is all about the confidence that we have and what we've been given. But listen to what Peter says the beginning of chapter 2. He says, but... There were also false prophets among the people. Now, at, at the end, I should include this and go back. Let me go back to chapter 1. At the end, he was talking about that foundation of the prophets, those truthful prophets who were delivering God's word. Uh, at the very last sentence, he says, Though human, they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The prophets, he said, did not speak on their own uh, own initiative or from their own wills, but they spoke on behalf of God. So what we read in the Old Testament came from God. But again, in, in, in verse 1 of chapter 2, but there were also false prophets among the people. We'll look at that here in just a second. Just as there will be false teachers among you, they will, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has been sleeping, has, has not been sleeping, excuse me, has not been sleeping. Uh, Peter, clearly, I, I've entitled the sermon just exactly the subject that, that Peter addresses all of chapter 2, and that's false teachers, false teachers. And, and so Peter, after he lays out all these reasons for confidence, he, he now is going to a place of warning saying, 
beware, there are false teachers. There's false teachers. And so that's what we're looking at this morning. Uh, the, the truth is, no, last week I described this, that, that out there there's messages everywhere. It's like a smorgasbord. You go up to it, internet, whatever, everyone has a message and it's all over the place, but there's one truth. Uh, and, and absolutely, if you want to know where we're coming from, it's built upon those scriptures I just described. From the prophets, the apostles, what we have from God, that's the truth. Anything. Anything that conflicts with the scriptures is a lie. Anything that conflicts with the scriptures that we have, that we've been given from God, is a lie. Therefore, yeah, I, I want to talk about these false teachers. As a matter of fact, here's, here's some truths uh, that we know about the false, false teachers uh, from Peter. How important is this? First of all, false teachers distort or they deny the truth. Reject the truth or, or distort it. That's what false teachers do. In that first verse, he gives reference to those false prophets in the Old Testament. He says, just like there were false prophets in the Old Testament, uh, that, that there's, there's false teachers today. I, I want to go back and look. There's, there's so many different references I could use. I went to Jeremiah. I think prominently through a Jeremiah's uh, written uh, book, there's so many examples of this. Jeremiah was that prophet of God. Now, Jeremiah was one of the prophets. Oh, man, I would have never wanted to be Jeremiah because he had a tough task. He had a difficult message to deliver to God's people. Uh, that was consistently, hey, you have broken relationship with God. You have broken that covenant between you and God. You've been unfaithful. You have, you have pursued other gods, which you weren't supposed to do. And, and also in there, he states how, how they have unjustly treated those who are poor, the, the widows and the orphans, and, and those who are lame and, 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 and otherwise. They have treated their poor uh, unjustly. Um, in that, uh, with, with his prominent message for Jerusalem, God gave him, you know, and told him, he said, this is what's coming because of their unfaithfulness. You know, Judah, southern Judah is going to be taken out, just like Israel was. And, and he basically was saying that, that Jerusalem, their main city, was going to come under siege and it was going to be destroyed. And, and for there were going to be some who survived, but they were going to be taken into captivity. Could you imagine that being the message? Hey, don't even plan on your future. Everything around you is going to be destroyed. And if you're lucky, you're going to be taken into captivity. Everybody else is going to be wiped out. What a great message. How encouraging. That was Jeremiah's message. At the time, there was a number of false prophets. Guess what they were saying? Here, let, me, let me give you Jeremiah 23.17. This is going to be a focus passage or, or verse today. Uh, for, for the Old Testament, representing the Old Testament. Here's what Jeremiah said concerning those false prophets. He said, they keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says, you will have peace. And, and to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say, no harm will come to you. You, you see, there's, there's a real conflict. Jeremiah was telling them, hey, trouble is coming. We're talking major trouble. 
Jerusalem's going to be taken down. And, and a number of you are going to be killed, and some of you are going to be taken into captivity. So the false prophets were, what do you think the false prophets were doing? They were, they were speaking what people wanted to hear. Hey, there's, oh, don't, there's going to be peace. And, and, and speaking of judgment, there's no judgment. You're not going to be harmed. Well, even the people then had some test of, of being able to identify false prophets. One of those was anyone who would speak contrary to the laws of Moses. Oh, you're not going to be a false, you're, you're going to be a false prophet. If you spoke contrary to the law of Moses, you're not a, you're not a true prophet of God. A second practical test, actually in Deuteronomy 8, 21-22, is if you came up with a prophecy, you declared a prophecy, maybe, maybe several prophecies, and, and all of them were true or, or were fulfilled, okay, you're not a prophet of God. God is not going to be wrong in his word, right? So if, if there was a prophet who declared something coming and it didn't take place, well, obviously, that was not from God. He's a false prophet. And finally, and finally, there's one of a moral test. With, through a false prophet, those who are wicked uh, are, are not going to be supported. Or actually, I should say it this way, uh, that a false prophet is actually going to strengthen those uh, who, who act uh, in evil. They're going to strengthen their deeds. And they're going to cause people not to fear God. They're going to talk down any kind of judgment. So a false prophet, what they're going to convey is, you don't have to fear God. You don't have to fear judgment because there is no judgment to come. Hey, there's going to be peace and no one's going to be harmed. That's a false message from the false prophets. Later on in that same chapter, 23, verse 22, God's speaking, and he says that here's what a true prophet uh, produces. If they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways and from their evil deeds. So like Jeremiah, uh, part of his message was, well, if anybody were to ask, what do we need to do? We know the word. It's repent. Repent. Uh, the, the message when it comes to God's judgment is, hey, if you want to be ready, if you want to be prepared, if you don't want to face God's judgment, it is repent. And so Jeremiah would, would have those words. Even though judgment was coming, the message is still repent. It was, it was definitely to repent. Now the message, we go back to Peter, in 2 Peter, what, what uh, uh, fabrication or what false teaching was being uh, promoted by these, these men? Uh, in, in, in that very same verse, it says they're going to be introducing destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. Bringing, bringing swift destruction on themselves. So even from that, we get this idea that they're, they're promoting something that denies the very deity of Jesus. That's what it means when it says, the Lord who bought you. Uh, believing that, that these guys who are false teachers actually had their beginnings in Christ. They were purchased through the blood of Christ. Lord who purchased us. That's who we are. 
You know, we are purchased through the blood of Jesus. That's what Peter's referring to here. Now, uh, these, these guys had their beginnings in Jesus, yet they began to accept other teachings. Maybe because the world, they didn't want to make the changes. Gnosticism is one of those, those things we know is pretty prominent in the early church. It, it actually has its beginnings. I think Peter is referring to it. I think Paul has referred to it and, and Jude has referred to it and just in its beginnings. It, it became greater and greater as even the New Testament was written. Gnosticism. Uh, one of the, the very foundational things about Gnosticism, it removes the deity of Jesus. It either denies the deity of Jesus or denies that he was ever really human, that he was a ghost, that he, he didn't really exist, that he was here in, in kind of like angelic form. They, they denied those things. They didn't accept those things. That's trouble when we can't accept Jesus for who he is, who he came. And, and the, the significance of him coming as fully man and fully God is so important for us. To, to understand, we need to understand who Jesus is. And, and they took that away. They questioned his very identity. Now, uh, later on, uh, we could find out more of what this false teaching was being promoted around them. Was, is, is, matter of fact, in chapter 3, just to give you, we'll go through this again. But in chapter 3, they denied that Jesus was going to return. Matter of fact, in, in a way, they mocked it. Oh, he hasn't come. He's not going to come. And also they denied the judgment that's to come. We see that both in, in chapter 3. So we, we believe that the, the teaching that these guys were promoting is, hey, don't worry about it. Jesus isn't coming back. And, and there is no judgment. Kind of sounds like the prophets of old, right? You don't have to worry. Just relax. Relax. And so you can imagine their message as it continues on. Anyway, that's... That, that's where the false teachers of Peter is talking about. Their distortion and even denial of the truth. And that truth of Christ, very foundational. The second uh, truth that, that Peter teaches about false teachers is this. He, they, they're the ones who lead people away and they use them. They use, they exploit them. This is what it says in verse 3. They lead people away. Um, and in verse 2, I, this is important. Many will follow their depraved conduct. We'll talk about that next week. Matter of fact, uh, we're going to deal with the rest of chapter 2. This is part 1 of dealing with false teachers. There's so much uh, in the remaining part of the chapter, I, I don't think it, it would be good for us to skip it. So we're not. We're going to deal with this difficult topic. But... but what it says in verse 2 is, and, and they will bring the way of truth into disrepute. They're going to bring the way of truth in, into disrepute. That means they're going to disgrace the truth, dishonor the truth. If you have the English Standard Version, it says they are going to, that the way of truth is going to be blasphemed against. It's, it's going to be absolutely dishonored. What's the way of truth? Chapter 1. Uh, what God has done for us through Jesus. That way of truth is Jesus and, and his death upon the cross and, and his resurrection. Promising that, that we're going to be like him in his death and like him in his resurrection. People who have life and no longer death living within us. That is what God has done for us. And they distort, they dishonor that way of truth. 
You know, one of the messages today that I hear very consistently is, is and I, I understand this, uh, the message I hear very consistently is that Jesus is not the only way. Jesus, it, it is, the, it is the, the friendly neighbor attitude over all religion, you know. Hey, hey, you Christians, yeah, oh, believing in Jesus and they'll give you the gospel message. But, you know, Muslims have it right, too. It's just another form that God took in order for them to attain a relationship with God. And, and, and uh, uh, we say the Mormons have done the same thing. Whatever, whatever else is out there, you know, whatever direction you're choosing, it all leads to God. That there are several ways. That's a, that's, a, that's a lie. It is an absolute lie. I, I know that's bold, isn't it? Who, who, who are you? Who are you to say, you know, hey, that you know the truth? It's, it's not my truth. <laughs> right? It's absolutely not my truth. I, if you take the time and read it, there is, man, that one verse that says, Jesus said, I am the way, the life, and the, the truth and the life. No man can come to me except, or no, no man can come to the Father except through me. That's a bold statement from Jesus. And you know what? I believe him. I believe the truth of the testimony. I believe the truth of the words that are written down. I don't think there are any other avenues we could take. The, the, the broadness of all the false teaching goes well beyond that, but I think that's one of the main ones that I see today. Uh, they exploit. The other part in, in verse 3 says that they exploit people as they draw them. And, and simply what that means is, is they make a good living off of the people who follow after them. They make a good living. They, they find good financial profit from those who listen. You know what I'm talking about, right? Those who find man wealth and, and fame through uh, their ability to speak and attract and and matter of fact, even that temptation that, boy, I want to speak because I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want you to leave. I, I, I want to, to say what you want to hear so you'll stay. You'll continue to stay and you'll bring your money with you. <laughs> that, that's really the temptation that, that I, I believe preachers are under. Uh, preachers are just like you. We're sinners saved through Jesus. Preachers are just like you. And there are temptations that preachers face. There are pulpits filled all over Junction City and, and throughout Kansas and, and throughout the United States and all over the world of good men who are presenting the gospel message as clearly and as, as, as boldly as they can. But at the same time, there are a number of those who are falling to temptations of perhaps their own egos Perhaps the, I don't want to get fired, is, is upon their, their minds. Or, I don't want to offend anybody. You're in the wrong business if you don't want to offend anybody. How, how, how often have you been offended when you open God's word? Not offended, let's say corrected. Some people get those two confused. You know, there's, there's such a thing as opening the scripture and feeling the need for correction and repentance and then there's those who open it up and are just offended. And pfft, I don't want to listen to that anymore. Or I'm not going to listen to anybody who chooses to go through those passages. 
Here, here's the thought. I mean, we, we look at those who preach. Please be careful who you're listening to. Please be careful who you're listening to. Because I see, I, here, here's something I think is, is really important. Peter lays out a warning here for a reason. He wants you to be aware that there are false teachers out there. He wants you to be able to discern someone who is, are they handling it correctly? Is that what's being said here? Is that the warning? Or, or is that the message that, that's being presented? You have that opportunity. And I, and, I, and I encourage you through what Peter is saying is to be very alert, including me. To be alert at what is being said, okay? Uh, let, me, let me take you back to that passage in Jeremiah. Jeremiah uh, 23, 17. I don't know whether you might have noticed this. We were focused upon the, the, the false prophet's message first. But listen how this is addressed. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says, you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say, no harm will come to you. Who, who are the, who's listening to the false prophets? People who despise that message from God. Who, who are those that, that are, are, are considering or, or following after these false prophets? They are the ones with stubborn hearts. We, we need to, oh, listen, I, I tell you what, I know stubbornness, and, and I don't believe anybody has this sense of, of uh, not wanting to hear God or, or, or just wanting to reject God, but they definitely don't want to hear his message. Let's, let's identify that. There's some things I just don't want to hear. If we had an opportunity and God were to present himself or an angel or someone and be able to identify Clearly, all the sins that we're dealing with right now, would we want to hear it? Would we want to hear it or would we, we just uh, be eager, say, God, what else do I need to change in my life? Would that be our attitude? That really has to be our attitude when we approach the scriptures. Humble attitude. And when we open the scriptures, is God, continue to change me, work on me. Well, I think that was David's attitude, right? And, and, and that psalm passage, oh, Look at me, search me and know my heart. See if there's any wickedness in me. That ought to be our attitude when it comes before God, isn't it? Isn't it? Check me out, Lord. Let me know. Where is it I need to repent? Where is it I need to change? Uh, so, so we have a responsibility. I mean, we're not false teachers, no. I mean, there's, there's some real difficult things going to happen to false teachers. But we're the ones who... who who had the opportunity to choose, and why are we choosing to listen to someone who, who might just be telling us other things? Do we want to hear about the things of judgment? That's in the scriptures. Do we want to hear about our sinfulness and, and the idea that we have to repent? Or are we just drawn to, to want to hear something like our best lives now? Just tell me about my best life now. That's what I want to hear. Don't tell me all the negative. We don't need that negativity. Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> because that's the truth. And God wants us to know the truth. 
2 Timothy 4, 3, Paul says that there are going to be those who tickle itching ears. You know, hey, one of the prayers I encourage you this week is, God, am I really wanting to hear the message you want to give to me? Am I listening to you? Or, or maybe some of the people, am I being drawn because I like what they say? I like the promises. I want to hear all the good stuff. I want to hear about peace and no harm's going to come to me. That's what I want to hear about. Just continue to, to tickle these ears. Or is it, God, open, open your word before me. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your word. I want to hear what it says and what it, what it speaks to my heart. Last, last point I want to make is, is, uh, is this, that just destruction's coming. For, for false teachers, false teachers face destruction and will take the people they lead with them. That's, that's chapter, uh, verse 3, the last part. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them. And their destruction has not been sleeping. You know what that means? It's they're right on the edge. Matter of fact, we're all on the edge of destruction. It's that close. And, and, and the only thing that has prevented his destruction or his judgment from coming is his wonderful and gracious patience. Amen to his patience, right? Amen to God's patience and his ways. But we're right on that edge of destruction. All of us. Are we ready? Are we prepared? Do we know Jesus? The only means of our salvation. Listen, now, uh, the remaining part of this that I, I wanted to read, pick up on four. Here's what's happening, beginning verse four, five, six, seven, and eight. All these four verses uh, that, that comes up. Basically, what he's doing is he's saying, listen, judgment is coming. Because God has acted in his judgment. It's, it's, uh, he's not held back before. Well, well before he chose a nation, Abraham, there was acts of judgment that happened. And it begins in verse 4. Verse 4 is probably the most, uh, uh, where we'd have most of the questions. What's happening here uh, can be found in, in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. Prior to the flood. Uh, in here, the word says, uh, in, in verse 4 of of. Peter, he says, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned. Well, what's happening? Genesis 6, 4 says, when the sons of God went to daughters of humans and had children with them. Here's, here's what the, 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 the greatest thought or, or the, probably the strongest thought is happening is that angels saw the, the, the uh, women of men and came and, and had relations with them having children. That was before the flood. That was part of the great reason for the flood. They were out of control. They are put into punishment. That's what he's saying. So God brought judgment upon angels. So in verse 4 it says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, uh, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, and if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but produced Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if, 
And, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the de depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the, the lawless deeds he saw and heard. In verse 9, it brings it all together. I want you to hear what he says. In those three actions that's laid out, examples of God moving with his, acting on his judgment. He acted, in the Old Testament, you look, he acted, and, and he acted in the flood, and he acted in, uh, on Sodom and Gomorrah. He brought judgment down. And, and as he's talking about judgment, as, as Peter and, and the apostles and Jesus had talked about judgment, know that it's coming. Peter says, it's coming. And, and, and matter of fact, in that judgment, the unrighteous are going to suffer. But also know this, for those of you in Christ, he's going to bring you out of it. He's, that salvation is yours. And you don't face that judgment. You're not going to face that judgment. Matter of fact, here in verse 9, he brings that all together. Let me read 9. Uh, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. It's imminent. God's judgment is imminent. There is no one who could... That, that it, or it, it is an absolute lie to say that God's judgment is not coming. It's one of the untruths that, that I believe Peter was speaking against and gets to in, in chapter 3. Judgment is coming. It is good to know Jesus. It is good to, to go back to chapter 1 and say, I, God has given me everything I need. Does that bring more significance Judgment's coming, but God has given me everything I need for a godly life through Jesus. We're, like I said, we're going to finish chapter 2 next week. But the, I, I want you to know today that the truth of the gospel, the truth of the scriptures we have is constantly under attack. There's false teachers uh, all around us. False teachers distort the truth. They deny the truth. False teachers lead us away. So be careful who you're listening to. And false teachers, uh, man, their judgment, their destruction is imminent. And they're going to be held responsible. And, and there will be a lot of people who follow after those because uh, they just wanted to hear what's good. They want to hear good stuff. They didn't want to hear the bad stuff, that, the message of correction and discipline, and repentance. Oh, pray for us. Pray for the leadership. Pray for myself that uh, we're not hindered from speaking the Scripture honestly. All right? You need to hear God's truth. Right? All right, all right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you, and we thank you for Jesus always. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Uh, praise you for Jesus and, and the price he paid upon the cross on our behalf. We, we praise you for the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. Lord, you've given us everything we need, and we give you praise for that. And we praise you for your word. Lord, we praise you for, for, for those prophets of old who, through the Holy Spirit, brought to us 
all the indications of the, the Messiah to come, Christ to come, Lord. And, and then when he came, Lord, we have that testimony of those apostles uh, who, who walked with him, spoke with him, uh, and, and witnessed his death and his resurrection. Father, we praise you for the truth that we have in our hands that's available to us. Help us to put our confidence in these things. At the same time, Lord, we pray about the false teachers that are prominent in this world. Lots of voices being spoken. Uh, those that are distracting and distorting the gospel that we have. Father, first of all, we pray that, that we are being attentive to your word. That, Lord, when we hear a message, at least give us that strength to go to the passage and to consider it and consider what's being said, asking, Lord, is this true? And, Father, we pray that we will be diligent about your truth, that not only will we be careful about those we're listening to, but, Lord, that we're going to be careful about the message we're conveying. Help us, Father, to speak honestly about Jesus about our sinfulness, our brokenness, but about the wonderful grace and mercy that's presented through our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, we praise you for today. We praise you always for your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.